If we want to know Jesus, we need to know his word. And we need to let him speak to us through his word. And I'm 89 years old. I have a long, long way to go. We know Jesus. We become more sanctified when we know his word. I think when I get to see Jesus, then I will be totally and completely spiritually mature and sanctified. Maybe you recognize that voice. That's John Cunningham, who uh, he's at home faithfully watching each and every Sunday with his wife, Lorraine. And she's uh, just pray for her, pray for both of them as uh, they've been going through a lot of health uh, situations with Lorraine and, uh, and just keep them in prayer. But I, I had a good talk with him last week about sanctification. And we talked about how that, you know, 89 years old, you still haven't arrived. We still are all pursuing Jesus Christ and we don't arrive. Paul said he didn't arrive. And so we're not going to arrive. But I, I think, you know, sometimes things I say do stir up some conversation, hopefully, in your home. And something I said last week definitely stirred up some conversation in my home. And also, I, I've had other people come and say something to me about it. And it was the fact that I mentioned that someone told me who uh, works as a server that uh, in restaurant that why do people get grumpier, impatient, more irritable when they get older? It seems like when people, the comment was, when people are older, they seem very demanding and they always are agitated. And, and I was thinking, wow, that can never be said to be true of Christians, should it? That as we progress, as we grow, and as we get older, we should definitely still be growing. We should be becoming more like Jesus. And, and so we talked about in our family just the, how we can complain a lot. You know, things are not working the way they normally do in the world. And we have a tendency, all of us, me especially included, to complain about the way things are. And so we came up with a little thing we do in our family now. We're, we're going to touch our nose just to remind each other, hey, don't complain. Don't be negative. Let's, let's keep it on positive. Keep what God's doing in mind and, and stay focused on him. And so, all right, so maybe you need to start a little something in your, in your house where you do a little symbol to your spouse or to your children saying, hey, let's, let's, let's not complain. Let's not be grumpy. Let's be like Christ. And so this is what sanctification is about, sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus. So let's pray, and we'll jump into this today. Father God, we thank you so much for your word that gives us truth and gives us life. God, I pray that today the Holy Spirit will open us up to the word of truth, God, that the, it, our hearts will be open, our minds will be alert, and God, that you will speak through your word, through the preaching of your word, in a way that will truly, truly change our heart, not just with good intentions, but with actionable steps that we can do to make us more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. I read this verse this week, and it just really goes along well with what we're going to talk about. And it was kind of a late addition because I really felt like it was worthy of mentioning in this, in this process of sanctification. 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And the context Peter was talking in here was a context of suffering. There was lots of bad happening to these Christians. And Peter says, 
But somebody's going to peck you on the shoulder. Somebody's going to come to you and say, how are you handling this so well? Why, why are you handling it so differently than the rest of the culture? And you have an opportunity to give the reason for your hope, Jesus Christ. But don't you think if you're grouchy and complaining and irritable, nobody's going to be like, hey, what, what's your reason for your hope, right? I mean, nobody's going to ask you that. Does anybody ask you, what's the reason for your hope? Have you ever been asked, what's the reason for your hope? Peter says, people will ask that. And we should have a response ready for them. And so there was this fearlessness that these people had in their sufferings that they could have hope even in the midst of that struggle. There was a song that was just coming out of their life and out of their hearts. What about you? Is there a song coming out of you that people notice? There's, there's something about your life, the life song that you sing, that just points people to Jesus Christ. You're going to see today, as we look at a couple different texts, that that should definitely be the case in your life and in my life. So we're talking about sanctification. Um, I, I've put a, a, a pictures of some books that I'm really pulling from heavily in this series that are really awesome books. And in fact, in the church app, if you use the church app, the one up there on the top left-hand corner, Habits of Grace, which is outstanding, is a free book. You can download that free. Just touch that link in the app, and it will download that book for you. And so lots of good books. I will continue to put some different resources on the app each Sunday so that you can kind of see some of the things that we're studying and reading as these books do a great job of taking God's Word and just applying them in this area of sanctification. So I've mentioned the word sanctification a lot already today. If you weren't here last week, you're like, what is that? That's a five-syllable word. What does that word mean? It means when God saved you, he determined and predestined to make you more and more like Christ. Romans chapter, go to the book, verse in Romans. The, the verse in Romans says this, for God who he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So those who God foreknew, he predestined to do what? To be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So God determined that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that you become more and more like Jesus. That's going to happen. That's a package deal, so to speak. That you didn't just get heaven when you put your faith in Jesus, but also God gave you grace to become more and more like Jesus in your life. Now you can go back to the, the definition of sanctification. It's a, it's a slow process. It's a slow daily process Every day where we become more and more like Jesus Christ, we're more and more sanctified, become more and more like him. And so we used this chart last week, which also um, kind of showed you that the trajectory of your life should be more and more to be like Jesus Christ. And so sure, we go through periods of time where we may be acting carnal, which is not our true nature. It's not the new nature that God has given us, but that's not indicative. There's no permanent carnal Christian, Scripture says. Read the New Testament. There are no permanent carnal Christians. And so the trajectory of our life should be to be more and more like Christ. Now, maybe right now you're in a struggle. You're really fighting some battles. You're really disconnected from church. Maybe you're tuned in this morning and you haven't been uh, to, to your fellow believers with them in K-group and community, and you really feel isolated. And right now you just feel like, wow, I'm just, you know, the decisions that I'm making in my life are not indicative of someone who's growing to be more like Jesus Christ. You may be in a carnal position in your life right now, but Scripture makes it clear that the trajectory of your life should be more and more like Jesus Christ. That comes with salvation. God graces us 
with the desire to, do, to, to pursue him and the means to, which, to make that happen, which we're going to look at today. And so the absence of progressive sanctification indicates an absence of genuine salvation because there are no carnal Christians. And so the carnal Christian in Scripture is just temporarily a person who's gone astray. So did you take time to examine the trajectory of your life? We kind of ended the service with that last week. Examine the trajectory of your life. Because if you don't examine this, it's really easy to become lazy and disconnected. And it's easy to just not be self-aware and not allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And so we're just kind of content with where we're at and content with just kind of going through the motions and being just carnal in our attitudes and actions. And so I encourage you to, to examine that. See and ask yourself, am I growing? If I look back five years ago, have I progressed to be more like Christ in some areas of my life? Is God working and making me more like Jesus? And so God's grace is what enables us to become more and more like Christ, his grace. And, and think of it this way. Think about the story, kids. You remember the story of Zacchaeus in the Bible? One of my favorite stories when I was a kid. You know that story, Caitlin? The story of Zacchaeus? What was Zacchaeus? He was what? He, he was a tax collector. Very good. What else was he? A wee little man, right? A wee little man was he, right? And what happened? Jesus was coming. Jesus was coming, and he wanted to intersect with Jesus. He wanted to, to know Jesus, to get to know Jesus, to see Jesus. But he could not because there were so many people, and he was small, and he was stuck at the back. And so somebody tell me, kids, what did, what did Zacchaeus do in order to see Jesus? Very good. He climbed up a tree, a sycamore tree, right? For the Lord he wanted to see. And so he climbed up this tree. Jesus was coming, and Zacchaeus put himself in a position to be able to see Jesus and receive the grace of Jesus. What a, what a great metaphor or, or symbol of what we should be doing. Jesus is passing by. Are you going to put yourself in the path of that grace or not? You see, it's not a... I just sit back and let go and let God. We mentioned that last week. It's not that. It's not just, okay, God, your grace is flowing, so if I just sit here and passively receive it, then I'll grow to be more like you. Remember the story of Zac Zacchaeus. Think about that because that's what we do. We put ourselves in a position in order to receive the grace. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And so I want to, before we do that, Philippians 2, 12 and 13, again, a reminder that God is at work in us and we can work because God works in us. Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Therefore, my brothers, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Kind of a scary verse. But here's the, the part that gives comfort. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So Paul says, work out your salvation. So Paul's telling us that there's human activity here, right? There's something we do, but Paul stresses again, like the verse we looked at last week, that God takes the initiative. We work because God works for us. God's grace supplied the energy for Paul so he could have the discipline and the effort, but every bit of that energy expanded was a result of grace. So an illustration maybe to give you, what, what, because this is hard to kind of grasp your, grasp your mind around and, and really think through it, all right? I work, but God works through me. Think about a light switch, right? When you flip a light switch, do you provide the power? No. 
You don't do anything to provide the power. You flip the switch, right? And the power is provided. And so there's something you do, but you sure don't do what really, really matters in the situation. So think about flipping a light switch. Think about Zacchaeus putting yourself in a position to receive that grace. God has called us to do that. And those things have been called spiritual disciplines. Some call them means of grace, or as the book that I pointed out is free in your app, the habits of grace. And these are opportunities to come to God in a posture of dependence. A posture of dependence, saying, God, I need your grace to become more like you. Because I look at my life, and it sure doesn't look like in of a mom of myself that I'm becoming like you. In fact, I can think through failure, failure, failure in my life. I can think of argument. I, I'm one of those guys you talked about who's grumpy and discontent, and, and I'm not patient at all with people. That's me. That defines me. But then maybe you step back and you look at the trajectory and you see, you know what? God is working. It's not the speed necessarily that I hoped for. And the, the trajectory I wish was more like this than like this. But God's still at work. And so if you want to receive these means of grace, if you want to enact these spiritual disciplines, I want to give you over the next three weeks three different paths, so to speak, that God's going to work if you're willing to put yourself in a situation to receive that grace. And I love the way that that book, Habits of Grace, breaks them up. And I'm going to break them up the same way. Which is first, God's voice. The next one is God's ear. And the third one is God's body. God's voice, which we'll talk about today. God's ear and God's body. And so there's no shortcuts to sanctification. And there's no other place where we can go to grow apart from Jesus and his word. And so today we're going, to hear, we're going to talk about hearing God's voice through Jesus and through his word. I mentioned last week that my own personal experience, that I, I wanted shortcuts for sanctification. And I bet you do too. As you look at your life, I mean, I wanted to have something spectacular that was just like the norm in my life. I wanted like, you know, just the, the, the spirit to grab me and just whisk me away to a greater plane and level in my, in my spiritual walk, because it was frustrating the day-in and day-out battles and the sins that are constantly, as, as Scripture says, they beset us. They, they just are always like a thorn in our flesh, and they come and they just stick with us, and it's hard to get victory over things in our lives. And, and you feel that struggle, and, and you're looking for something supernatural, something amazing. And, and the Holy Spirit for sure is amazing, and the Holy Spirit is spectacular, but I, I believe, and you're going to see today, that I think we approach sometimes this the wrong direction when oftentimes God's path to sanctification is right in front of us in a very daily, normal, routine way. And the Holy Spirit's presence reveals itself in just in, in our normal daily routines of life. But we're looking for something spectacular. And I believe that the Holy Spirit just wants to work and speak through God's word and through his presence and through Jesus in such normal, everyday ways. And so the Holy Spirit is real and he's active and God definitely does spectacular, supernatural things. But I don't want us to be so eager to be pursuing something out there that's like the dream, the vision, something great that we miss. The very means of grace that God gives that are just part of your day, should be part of your daily rhythm and routine of life. And so a lot of people, including myself, I, I, I Look for all these shortcuts for sanctification. 
And one of them was this idea of like, oh, if I can just be filled with the Spirit, then I'm at this new level, this next level. But I want to show us today a few things about the Holy Spirit and how He works and what Scripture says, because I think it'll help us to see how we can actually respond to His leadings and guidings in our life as God speaks. The Holy Spirit, so important. I mean, we cannot be sanctified without the Holy Spirit. But I love what Charles Spurgeon, preacher of old, says. It is one of the chief offices of the Holy Spirit to glorify Christ. He does many things, but this is what the aim of it all is, to glorify Christ. He says, the Holy Spirit's chief job is to lift up Jesus, to point to Jesus. And so everything that the Holy Spirit does reveals itself in becoming more like Christ, pointing people to God's glory. So people say, hey, what is the hope of your call? Why are you different? Why are you dealing with this? And it doesn't look easy. I'm not saying it looks easy, but I've noticed it's different. You're just doing something different than the society and the culture at large does in that situation. And so the Holy Spirit wants to take the words of God and illuminate that to our lives. So first, how does God speak to us? God speaks through Jesus. God speaks through Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So you see what the, the author of Hebrews is saying? He's saying in the past, he's looking back to the Old Testament, to the prophets. He said, God spoke in incredible ways through the prophets, through the people of God. And you have that recorded. You have that. But something new and different has just happened. Jesus Christ, the perfect revelation, the most complete self-revelation of God has been given to us. Can you imagine those first century Christians who actually many knew Jesus or knew somebody who knew Jesus? And this wasn't just some theology in their head that they were spouting off. This was somebody who literally walked the earth. This was God with us. The Word became flesh. So Jesus, who was the Word, who was with in the beginning with God, as the Hebrews verse 2, Hebrews 1 2 points out that he was there, he created the world. He was there. God was, he was God and he created the world. And so Jesus became flesh. And Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father, the perfect revelation of God. He's the perfect word of God. And the righteousness of, of God comes through Jesus Christ in him only. And so he is the word, the word made flesh, Jesus. And so as Chip pointed out, as we say a lot, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. God speaks through Jesus. The voice of God can be heard through Jesus Christ and is heard through Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Let the word of Christ. See, Jesus came, first century people literally 
knew him or knew somebody who knew him. Here we are years later, but Paul still writes to us and says, let those words of Christ dwell in you richly. Let his word. And, I, and, and again, even a church that's Bible-centered, Jesus-centered like ours, I still think we're all tempted, if we really are pursuing Jesus, to look for those mystical experiences and those things that, you know, I, I just need that voice, that prophecy, that special anointing. I need all these things in order to get me to the next level. And we end up being frustrated. And I want to show you something from this passage in, in Colossians. And when we went through the book of Colossians, I showed you this. Because it's so critical that we understand what filling of the Spirit means and being filled with Him and, and having Him control our lives. And I want us to go to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to point a couple things out here that are critical. Stay with me. I'm going to, I'm going to make this case and then I'm going to pull it together, okay? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be, follow, follow the flow of thought here. Alcohol strongly influences a person. Like, we know that, right? Don't be drunk with wine. You're influenced by wine. And a person who's normally maybe timid or soft-spoken, they become what? Bold, arrogant, outspoken, whatever. But why? Because they're being influenced by the alcohol, right? So don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. If you're drunk with wine and you're influenced, what's the result? What's the passage say? debauchery. You just live a life that's just like you don't care. You're just going to live the way you want to live for yourself. But he parallels that with be filled with the Spirit. So don't be, don't, don't, don't be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. So what's the point he's making? Just as alcohol strongly influences a drunk person, so the Spirit must strongly influence a Christian. So just like someone who's influenced by alcohol at varying levels and varying degrees, right? You can be a little drunk or you can be really drunk. You can be filled with the Spirit, some, and you can progressively become more and more filled with the Spirit. And so don't be drunk with wine. That's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be influenced, be strongly influenced by the Spirit. And so being filled with the Spirit, here was my thought process that used to be. That I, once I got filled with the Spirit, then like everything was going to work. All right? I think mean, I mean, Jesus uh, was going to be the center of everything. I was going to make the right decisions. I was not going to sin. And I'd, I would arrive at this like supernatural, spiritual sanctification spot. But I found myself disappointed again and again. Why? Because I couldn't achieve it if I was honest with myself. Because even the good things that I did a lot of times, I found were tainted by bad motives. I mean, how many times do we do good things so we can feel better about ourselves? So we can feel like, wow, I, you know, I, can, I, I did that. Man, that relieves my guilt and relieves my conscience. Rather than being motivated out of love, like Scripture says. And you see, it's, it's, it's frustrating when we set these expectations that are unrealistic. And so some of you maybe fall into that category. But I want to encourage you to, as we look at this, that we understand that you don't arrive at a place where you just don't sin anymore at this side. As, as John Cunningham pointed out in the, in the audio there, 
That you just don't get there where it only happens when you're glorified, when you see Jesus face to face and you receive a new body. And his flesh is gone. But Paul is encouraging us and admonishing us that we need to be responsible. We take ownership to be filled with the Spirit. Just as you are responsible not to let alcohol control you and influence you, on the flip side, the positive side of that, you're responsible to be filled with the Spirit. So don't be drunk with wine. Don't. You're under the influence. You can't live for Jesus. But the point of the illustration is, but instead... Be influenced by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit more and more. And so it begs the question, how do we then, how, do we, how are we filled with the Spirit? Look, this is, this is awesome. Look at the results there in Ephesians chapter 19, 5, verse 19. He says, don't be drunk, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. And then what's he say? Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, is that looking familiar to you? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so this list of results, here's the results of being filled with the Spirit. You're addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. There's just this joy, maybe a good way to say it, there's this joy about your life. You're giving thanks. You're not grumpy. You're not complaining. You're not impatient. You're, you're giving thanks for what God has done. You're submitting to other people. You don't like somebody. Instead of backbiting them and cutting them down and attacking them, we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So how do we obey the command to be filled with the Spirit? It's a command. Be filled with the Spirit. Hang with me here. This is critical. How, do we, how are we to be filled with the Spirit? It's a command. Well, let's go back to Colossians, okay? Colossians chapter 3. Verse 16 and 17, we looked at a minute ago. Let the word of Christ, the word of Christ, dwell in you richly. And then we look at the results of that. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thanksgiving in your heart to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Stay there, Michael. Look at the parallel between the two. Look at it. The same results. Almost exactly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you and to be filled with the Spirit. Letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly is a way to let the Spirit strongly influence you. So you want to be influenced by the Holy Spirit? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Okay, now maybe you may be asking, okay, the word of Christ... What, what is that? The Word of Christ. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. It includes the words of Jesus, for sure, in the Gospels, but it's more than that. The Word of Christ is all that was accomplished by Jesus on your behalf at the cross. Everything that Jesus accomplished on the cross that was imputed or given to you at salvation, that's the Word of Christ. Maybe we could simplify it by just saying it's the gospel. It's the gospel, the removal of your sin and your guilt at salvation. God's wrath is no longer upon you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're reconciled to God. You were an enemy of God. Now you're the friend of God. You've been given the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. 
You've moved from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And the chains of your sin are broken. The word of Christ, the gospel, what, who Jesus is, what he said, and the result of his ultimate sacrifice for your sin. Let the word of Christ, the message of Christ, just dwell in you richly. And I love the way that Rankin Wilborn in the book United with Christ, how he says it. He says, Christ has wed himself to you. I'm talking to Christians here. This is not just a declaration to agree with. It is an objective reality to live into. He has fully atoned for you, and he is now with you, assuring you that you are with him, and you have the resources to overcome anything that threatens to overwhelm you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and there's this joy, this song, this thanksgiving, this new heart that begins to come out in you progressively over time. The more that you are filled with the the Spirit, influenced by the Spirit. Why? Because the Word of Christ, the voice of God, dwells in you richly, greatly. And as a result of that, everything changes about your life. And in fact, somebody may tap you on the shoulder and say, tell me why your life's different. It's just not like the culture. Everybody else is always complaining about how bad things are and how terrible things are. And they're saying, we can't wait till all this is over. I find myself there too. But all of a sudden, we have a different attitude. As Chip mentioned, that we see what God has allowed and ordained as an opportunity to reveal the hope that's within us. Why? Because the Word of Christ dwells in us richly because God speaks through Jesus. And so if you want to know what's behind, it's all about Jesus, that's why it's all about Jesus. It's not just a a nice little phrase we say. We need to preach that to ourselves day after day. It is all about Jesus. His word, we'll talk about in a second, but the cross and what he did. The gospel, our justification, us being declared righteous and given the righteousness of Christ. And so we dwell on that. We know that. We preach that to ourselves. And when anger and fear and panic and discouragement and impatience comes at us and and whispers in our ear a false gospel that either says, handle this on your own, or you deserve that, or you deserve this. Instead, you're preaching the gospel to yourself that you realize the battleground here is what? Between your ears that what you decide to preach to yourself in your mind makes a difference. Because why? God's voice speaks through Jesus Christ. God's voice speaks through Jesus Christ. And so practically, when you have those situations where just you, you're, you're at a crossroads and you're like, you can decide to go here, and this is my way because, you know what, I've justified it, and it seems right, but we know the end is what? Death. And it feels like that taking this matter into my own hands will resolve this quicker or give me quicker results, make it more satisfying to me, will give me more success. But God says, no, that's not the way you go. You go here. You trust me. You trust my promises. You trust the word of Christ. You trust 
who you are in Christ. And instead you choose this way, which may look like suffering. What's the end, though? It's reward. The end is joy. The end is the fruit of the Spirit. It's more and more like Jesus. And maybe, why is your life different? I would have sure gone that way with my business. I would have sure gone that way with my marriage. I would have done this with that kid. I would have done this with that coworker. And you say, well, that's not the way that I decided to go because I felt like this is more glorifying to Jesus Christ. And they say, wow, that's, that's different. And you have a ready defense for why your life looks different. And why does it look different? Because it's becoming more and more like Jesus. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Preach the gospel to yourself. Look to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. God speaks through Jesus. The prophets of old, he spoke, but in these last days, he's spoken by his son, Jesus Christ. And then secondly, and fast, God speaks through the written word by the Holy Spirit. God speaks through the written word by the Holy Spirit. All Scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All Scripture, God breathe, is profitable to your life so that you can glorify God in all that you do. I really wanted to dwell most of the message on the first half because we talk a lot about why you need to be in God's Word and reading God's Word and make that a rhythm of your life. There is no knowing Jesus apart from the Bible, right? I mean, eventually you lose Jesus and you lose the gospel if you don't have the written Word of God. And we understand through Scripture, and it authenticates itself, but also what it says about itself, that the, the Scriptures are the very breathed-out words of God. And so think of it like Zacchaeus. God is coming through his word. Jesus is appearing through his word. And he's on there every day on that path. And you can either decide, I'm going to make the effort to get up in the tree so I receive the grace and receive the grace for what I need in the sanctification process. Or I can choose to indulge my comforts get extra sleep, watch TV, be on Facebook instead of hearing the voice of God. You're like, Pastor John, when you, when you put it that way, all right, it, it seems like there's really no choice here. It's, it's, it's hearing God versus all these other things that seem meaningless and pretty much worthless. And it's true. The voice of God, the voice of God, and many of you say, I know that, I know that's true, but you're not making the effort. You're not seeking Jesus and pursuing him. And you're basically, you would never maybe say, yeah, it's just let go and let it come to me. You would never say that, but your actions say that. Your actions say that. And, and, and there's lots of excuses why we don't get into the word, all right? You know, I don't understand it. Just It's too hard. We live in a day and age when, there are so many incredible resources for you. So, I, mean, more than, I mean, we have more today than probably all of history combined 50 years ago and back. 
we have more resources available to us to help us to understand the Word. But the main thing you need to do is just get in the Word and allow the Word to speak, God to speak through His Word, and the Holy Spirit to illuminate. And all of a sudden, you're reading, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, you know that situation where you've been living life for yourself, or that thing that you, that you do that you know isn't bringing glory to me, or that way of acting toward that person at, at work? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Well, I have a word for you on that. And here it is. And God just takes the Scripture, the Holy Spirit takes the Scripture, and applies it, and illuminates is the word, illuminates it into your life. That's what God wants to do. He doesn't just give you His word so you can just have more of it up here in your head. He wants you to become more like Jesus. People say, hey, why is your life different? And you're ready because of Jesus. Explain that to me. What does that mean? I hear that. I see that on billboards around here. What does that mean, Jesus? And you explain to him all that God is for you in Jesus and the cross. And maybe they respond, maybe they don't. But God's done something. He's working. He's given them grace. And you've been faithful. And you're ready to respond. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, John's writing to different churches. And one of the churches that really I felt like so well applies to the Church of America and probably the church worldwide for the most part is the Church of Laodicea. And this was what you find in Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. Jesus is talking, he says, For I say, for you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I have need of nothing not realizing that you are wretched, poor, blind, and naked. You think you're rich. You got it all. There's no reason really to be desperate for God's grace because we have pretty much everything we need materialistic. And there's no dependence upon Jesus Christ. But you might know what it says a few verses later. It says, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And then it says this, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him. It, this, is, this is a relationship. This is fellowship. I will eat with him and he with me. So Jesus says, I'm knocking. But what I'm pointing out here is more than knocking. There's more than just knocking going because if anyone hears my voice, John, John, I love you. I want a relationship with you, but you, you don't need me because you got it all. You have everything you feel like you need in this world, but you're missing the point. And so I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep calling your name. And it's grace that opens the door and Jesus comes in. And we realize that all the stuff that we were living for before doesn't really matter. What matters is What's the purpose for your hope? Why do you have joy? Why are you not grumpy? Why are you not irritable? Why do you just, like you have this, just, this joy that just is contagious about your life? Why is that? Well, thank you. I really didn't know that, you know, that was the case because I really see my sin and I know I'm not that way all the time, but 
Thank you. You know, Jesus makes a difference in my life. Jesus changes things. I don't just go to church. I go to be fed. I go so I can live. So I can breathe. I can be filled with the Spirit. Filled with the words of Christ. And more and more influenced by what really matters for eternity. Let's pray. God, we cannot hear a sermon like this. We can't look at a topic like sanctification without being broken because we know the depths of our own depravity. We know our ability to leave this room and immediately start to complain and grumble, even as we feel encouraged at this moment to live for you. God, your grace is pouring out to your children. And God, I pray that we will have the rhythms and the routines of our life in place to, that we can be in the place where when you pass, that we receive you, we open the door, we invite you in, we have a relationship with you, and more and more and more our lives look like you. God, help us to change our behaviors. Help us to literally not be drunk with wine, but God, help us not be drunk with the wine of culture, the wine of materialism, the wine of this world, the wine of politics, God, help us to be filled with spirit, the Spirit and to live our life differently so that we can point people to you. God, I pray for those people that you bring into our paths. God, help us to be willing to speak up when they ask for our hope. And God, change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.